Hi everyone, so this is part two of our skin cancer knowledge videos. So in the previous video, we spoke about basal cell carcinomas. Um, we also touched upon actinic keratoses, Bowen's disease and squamous cell carcinomas. So if you're looking for information on that, make sure you check out part one of the skin cancer video. Um, this particular video is going to be focusing on this lesion here. Um, so it's a spot diagnosis. So hopefully in your head, you're thinking about what this might be. But what you can see is a lesion, an irregular lesion um, in someone of Fitzpatrick skin type, possibly two. Um, you can see that it has irregular borders. It has multiple different pigments present. Um, the shape it, it is irregular as well. Um, and this is basically a malignant melanoma. So when you're thinking about malignant melanomas, you're looking for the ugly duckling uh, sort of lesion in someone who, you know, they might be quite moly, they might have lots of moles, but usually it's the mole that stands out. Um, so when you're thinking about in the history of someone who's got a malignant melanoma, um, this might be a changing lesion. You know, it might develop um, from a mole that they've had and that mole is now changing. It's changing in size, it's changing in shape, it's changing in color. Um, it might be itchy, might be crusting. Those are things that you want to be asking about. Um, this might be someone again in their history, you know, do they have a personal history of previous melanoma? Um, are they immunosuppressed? Um, you know, have they got a family history of melanoma? Um, and again, you want to ask those particular uh, sun questions, which are, you know, have they lived in a hot country like Australia? Um, have, were they using sun protection? Have they had a blistering sort of um, uh, burn from the sun? Have they used sunbeds previously? These are all things that can increase your risk of developing melanoma. Um, alongside that, so when we think about the causes of melanoma, so there's UV exposure, sunbeds like we've touched upon. There is an element of genetics as well, and you can do some reading about the particular genes that we're interested in, but that there's like the BRAF sort of genes that we're interested in when it comes to melanoma. Um, again, smoking is also something to ask about. And like we mentioned before, immunosuppression. Um, Naren, for, for melanoma, is there anything that you wanted to add about history and, and key things to look out for? Yeah, no, that was very good, very comprehensive. Um, essentially, like Manpreet said, it's really important. It, melanoma can be arise from a changing nevus, i.e. a changing mole, or can have occur de novo from normal appearing skin so it's always important to ask about new or changing lesions um and when we sort of you know i'm sure you've all heard of the abcde of melanomas like manprit went through um a symmetry uh b border c color d diameter some say six more than six millimeters some say more than seven that's quite arbitrary to be honest E is actually the most important to me. Some people say it stands for everything, but actually I think E for evolution. So um, the change is really, really key. Okay. And um, getting a very, and like, like Manpreet said, UV exposure is a very high um, risk factor, especially sunburn in childhood. Um, multiple sunburns each sunburn adds a higher risk and family history is anyone else moly do they have lots of atypical moles because there's this fam familial atypical 
nevus syndrome which is a you know a genetic condition which can predispose an individual so those are all very key questions yeah great and and when it comes to melanoma there are different types to yeah. be aware of um so naren do you want to touch on the yeah. different types of melanoma Yes. So um, you have superficial spreading, which is the one you can see in this photograph. So that's the most common type. Um, and as the name suggests, it's usually sort of a patch, a macule. Um, so superficial spreading melanoma is the most common subtype. You have nodular melanoma. And as the name suggests, nodular melanoma is a, you know, it's raised essentially. And it can be pigmented or it can be amelanotic. So the nodule can be pigmented or the nodule can be just pink or flesh colored. So that is really important um, because actually I saw one recently in clinic, which was really unexpected, came back as a thick nodular melanoma and it was a pink uh, flesh colored nodule um because those can be diagnosed much later so they have a poorer prognosis so that's something to consider um then you have acral melanomas so that's on the bottom of the feet or on the palms again those can be quite hard uh, you know because of delayed diagnosis with that group acral melanomas you can get subungual melanomas okay so subungual and acral melanomas are thankfully not very common um, however, poor prognosis due to delayed diagnosis. And famously, you will know, uh, Bob Marley died, unfortunately, from an acral melanoma. Um, there is some discussion that actually acral and subungual melanomas doesn't have such an um, established relationship with UV exposure. So it's much more complicated, hence why you can see those in darker skinned individuals. Um, so those are the main um, types of Yep, those are the main types. Yeah, amazing. And um, so I guess that, that's really important then to be aware of the different types of melanoma and then thinking in your examination. So melanomas have a high risk of metastases. So you don't just want to look at the lesion that you're presented with. You'd want to do a full skin check to see if there's yeah. any other lesions um and you know you'd also want to look in atypical areas so looking at the nail beds just to check there's not any nail involvement looking in the mucosa or the acral areas to check if there's any you know involvement for an atypical melanoma there as well so so those are important things for you to demonstrate your wider understanding of melanomas um and I guess when we're talking about melanomas and we're talking about the prognosis, what's really important and a key word and, um, you know, um, something to be aware of is the Breslow thickness. So this is a histological measurement um, when it comes to melanomas. And it's, you know, really important in determining the prognosis. Naren, can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. So the Breslow thickness, like Manpreet said, you can't, you don't know the Breslow thickness until you've excised it. So with any suspected melanoma, you go straight to excision. Okay. So you never take a small, I say never, most of the time, um, you know, you, you must excise the whole thing. Okay. So you do an excision with two millimeter margin. When we say that, we mean we take two millimeters of normal skin around the melanoma and cut that out to make sure it's all out. Then it gets sent to the lab and the histopathologist literally measures um, the thickness and they start from the granular layer. So if you remember from your biology of the skin, um, the granular layer to the uh, deepest point of the tumor. So 
you know, from the top to the bottom, essentially. Um, and that's the Breslow thickness. So it's the thickness of the tumor histologically. Depending on the Breslow thickness, um, you know, this has, like Manprick said, this determines your prognosis. So, for example, a melanoma in situ, we've touched on in situ before, in situ means it's contained within, within the epidermis. So melanoma in situ has an excellent prognosis um, because it's contained within the epidermis. It hasn't gone uh, beyond the epidermis. So some people, you know, it's not really pre-malignant. I wouldn't call it that, but you can sort of, when you discuss it with a patient, it's um, it's not a, it's it's actually excellent prognosis, sort of 99%, five and 10 years. And then after that, you get the different stages of melanoma. So you can have early stage melanoma, which is stage one, um, up to stage four, which is the advanced metastatic, you know, multiple mets. Um, so I'm not going to go too much detail with that. You, 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 there's a AJCC staging, which we use for the staging of melanomas, which goes into further depth. But the staging essentially is dependent on the histological thickness. Um, and that gives it a stage in terms of the size and thickness, um, whether there are any um, lymph node involvement, whether there are any metastases. And as you can imagine, unfortunately, the more advanced the melanoma, the prognosis um, is worse. Um, and that is actually improved in the last five to 10 years because of immunotherapy. But it can go from, you know, 99% in melanoma situ to sort of 60% for advanced melanoma over five years. Um, so that's what Breslow thickness is an important prognostic um, indicator and measurement. Yes, and that's really, really important to know. So thank you, Naren, for, for sharing um, the details about that. So then moving on to the treatment, and you've already touched upon this um, a bit now in terms of the surgical management. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I guess, you know, first of all, surgery is one of the most important things. And that can be, like you said, a wide local excision, or there's also Mohs surgery, which we've touched upon previously. But um, just to revisit kind of the surgical uh, terminology and you know what's a two millimeter margin what's a four millimeter margin you know what's Mohs so could we start with that in terms of the management of melanoma yeah of course so um almost all suspected melanomas will be the first thing you do is a standard excision with two millimeter margin okay it gets a bit more complicated when we talk about lentigo maligna melanoma which is usually on the face and it's sort of slower growing and less aggressive sometimes they may opt to do an incisional biopsy but I don't want to you know bog down the details what you need to know is all suspected melanomas excision with two millimeter margin once you've done that first excision the histopathologist measures the Breslow thickness and depending on how thick it is will determine your wide local excision margins so after you've done the initial excision, the histopathologist reviews the Breslow thickness, and then that will determine the margins for your wide local excision. So the wide local excision is when you excise more around the scar, okay? And um, that for most melanomas, that will be one centimeter margin. But for thicker melanomas over two millimeter Breslow thickness, that will be two centimeter um, margin, okay? At that point as well, you'll be discussing whether they would be suitable for a sentinel lymph node biopsy. 
And a sentinel lymph node biopsy is always done at the same time as the wide local excision, okay, if they're suitable. And what that involves, again, I don't want to go into too much detail, but you can do some reading. What that involves is essentially finding the sentinel node, depending on where the melanoma is, injecting it with a special dye so you can see which lymph nodes is received, you know, is the melanoma draining into. You take you remove that, whichever one lights up, um, to determine whether there's any metastases within the sentinel nodes, i.e. the most local nodes. So this is more of a, um, for staging, um, and the evidence about whether it actually improves survival is mixed. It's based on the evidence from breast cancer, and actually there's no hard evidence for doing for central lymph nodes in melanoma as to whether it improves survival so that's a sort of um quite a deeper topic i'm you know i don't want to confuse you but that's something that we offer as well sentinel lymph node biopsy then depending on that you then go on to whether you need imaging so ct scan and uh, neck abdo pelvis, chest abdo pelvis um, and mri head if it's sort of depending, is it stage 2C and above, et cetera. But again, I'm going into quite a lot of detail, so I don't want to confuse you. Um, does that make sense in terms of the margins and so on? Yeah, so that's really helpful to understand a bit more about kind of from the, from the surgical approach. And I guess just to touch upon, so with melanoma, sometimes they have adjuvant radiotherapy, they might have adjuvant chemotherapy, but that's a bit less common. Um, and just to touch upon it, but we're not going to go into too much detail, there are some newer kind of immune and targeted therapies that are coming out. And, you know, there's close collaboration and MDT approach with the oncologist for, for those sort of patients, isn't there? Yeah, exactly. So for the advanced melanomas, um, <clears throat> we use immunotherapies and targeted therapies. This this includes BRAF inhibitors. Um, it also includes anti-CTL4 um, ligand receptor antagonists. It, it's quite sort of goes a lot more specific. But like you said, that's led by oncologists and we have an MDT approach. Um, and it's the oncologists that really prescribe the immunotherapy uh, and targeted therapies if appropriate um, but those are the for the advanced melanomas which actually is really exciting and really great because it's improved survival rates quite significantly in the last five years I would definitely know about them because that is something that has it could be a topic a hot topic because that is something that's that's that has you know revolutionized advanced melanoma um, so it's good to have awareness and knowledge about those yeah, I completely agree. I, th I think it, it's such an exciting area. You know, previously people with melanoma were actually dying. Yeah. You know, and um, now these people are living much longer. So it's um, it is really exciting, like Darren said. And then I guess kind of coming to the end of our skin cancer sort of knowledge section video, um, I guess when you're thinking about the long term for these patients and, you know, once and this is these are things to mention in the interview as well. But, you know, the key take home sort of uh, messages would be you want to make sure that these patients are educated uh, about skin cancer risk risk factors so you know advise on on sun protection which is one of the most important things so you know an SPF 50 um, providing them with a with a patient information leaflet from the BAD on skin cancers and they have an excellent you know set of resources and and um, patient information leaflets that that we use in clinical practice um, and, you know, making sure that these patients are appropriately followed up. 
I think those are the three kind of most important things that I would sort of want to include in my management for these patients as well. Um, Naren, is there anything you wanted to add? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, teaching education about skin checks and feeling their lymph nodes is definitely really, really important. And we have seen clinical nurse specialists who are excellent and um, provide these sessions. Um, and the other thing's really important, vitamin D. So the guidelines are for everyone diagnosed with melanoma should have a vitamin D level checked and optimized um, because there is evidence to show that that improves uh, prognosis overall. I think, you know, vitamin D overall is essential. But yeah, that's actually something specific for, for melanoma as well. Um, and as you can imagine, these patients, when they get a skin cancer diagnosis, they're probably getting, not all of them, they might be quite fearful of the sun. Um, so just educating about, about other ways that you can get vitamin D and um, as well as sun protection, sun avoidance, wide brim hats, UV protective clothing, it, you know, there's, there's lots and lots. And I agree that BAD is a great, British Association of Dermatology has a great platform of resources um, and Macmillan has really good resources as well for skin cancer. Amazing. So that concludes our knowledge videos on skin cancer. We hope you guys found them useful and definitely check out um, Dermnet for some more photos and the BAD for those patient information leaflets um, like we mentioned.